I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. If it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, we thank you. We welcome you. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. We welcome you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Oh, Father God, take full reign. Let your will be done. Father, we surrender all to you. Oh, God, have your way. Have your way. Oh, God, we bless you and we honor you in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Oh, well, this is Pastor Don, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer, and it is my honor and privilege to bring you greetings from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I bless each and every one of you on behalf of our Savior. I thank God for those who are under the sound of my voice. And I pray that God will bless you exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or even imagine. (laughs) Tonight we are going to uh, begin our Bible study. We're going to start out uh, with a chronological review of the Bible. We're going to try or attempt to get through this in the next 52 weeks. We're going to use this as our guide to start laying the foundation of our ministry. I thank God. I thank God for this season, for the assignment that he has given. I thank God for the ministry that he is raising up. I celebrate him for the launch and Some of you who have been following me on my podcast, you all know that God has given me express instruction, express instruction to to, uh, spin up the ministry in this season, and he wants a body that he can trust. God has been downloading, and I'm telling you, I am so overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with his glory, with his His blessings. God is just really awesome. He's just so, so, so awesome. And I've got to walk in obedience. i got to walk in obedience to his will. Um, so today we're going to start uh, the beginning of our uh, Bible study, and, and I'll try or I will attempt to lay things out. I want to give us a summary and an overview today, uh, but just as a reminder uh, for those of you who feel led that God is called to this ministry, we need help. We need the workers. We need the workers to come in as we lay the foundation, as we position ourselves uh, to be who God has called us to be in this season. And I am looking for willing workers. We need volunteers. We need people to come in and to help undergird us. And, and if God has led you to this ministry, come on, no more delay. We need you. But if God has led you to pray, pray for us. We solicit your prayers because we know that by Christ Jesus, we cannot do this by ourselves, that he is sending help. He's sending divine help. And if you are that divine helper, I um, admonish you 
to step up? <laughs> will, the, will the true helpers please stand up? Uh, identify yourself and come on alongside us and let's make this thing happen. Uh, but in the meantime and in between time, as we are uh, working towards our launch, God has given us assignment to lay the foundation and he's granting us direction and I thank and praise him for that and what we're going to be doing uh, over these next weeks and months and over the next year up until we get a physical uh, location uh, we are going to have an order of service such as on Tuesday nights every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. we will have uh, prayer. We'll have corporate prayer. And right now, as I stated, we don't have a physical edifice. So we will not be in a physical place, but we will be praying virtually. And we invite you to to uh, participate, to partake. If you hear that clarion call, come on along alongside us and pray with us. But we will pray every Tuesday evening promptly at 7 p.m., if you can't join us, but you have a prayer request, uh, send those my way. I will be sure to pray and intercede for you. How many of y'all know we need the intercessors? We need the prayer warriors. We are at war with the enemy, and he is manifesting himself in the physical. And we thank and praise God that he has given us the power and the authority and every tool and weaponry we need to defeat the enemy. And I'm so grateful. I thank God that he is such a great and awesome God, and he is worthy to be praised. On Thursday nights, Thursday nights, we will be coming together for Bible study. And God has given me instruction that we go through the Bible chronologically, that we take a chronological review of the Bible. So that means every week we're going to come together. We're going to read our word. We're going to come. Um, I have a study uh, that I'm going to use as our framework to facilitate our learning uh, it doesn't mean we're going to do it verbatim now, you know, because we're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. But I wanted to do something structured, and y'all know, prophetess, I got to do it in order, decently and in order. So so we'll have assignments, we'll have a workbook, uh, we'll have uh, uh, um, assigned readings and, and things like that, and tests and all of that, memory verses uh, that we'll learn along the way. But what we're attempting to do as we... Uh, spin up the ministry, we want to lay a firm, firm foundation, firm foundation. So that's Thursday evenings at 7 p.m., Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. And on Saturdays, on Saturdays, God has instructed that this is the day of worship. So this is the day that we'll come together and worship. And I believe that God uh, uh, will have me ministering a series starting with the foundation of how the church was established. So we'll we'll start going through the epistles and we'll start going through the books of the Bible. Excuse me, that laid out how the foundation was structured of in the church. I believe <laughs> I believe that God is a God of order. He is a God of structure, and if he gave it to them, 
If it was good enough for them, it's good enough for us. And so we have to learn the word. And so I want to walk us through a study of uh, what what did what did the apostles teach? What did the apostles teach as we grow and 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 build a firm foundation and continue to do what God has called us to do uh, in, in in this region and in this season of our lives? I'm so grateful to God. I I, I can see many many great things. We are a ministry of hope. We are a ministry of prayer and especially of love. We demonstrate the um, manifestation of God's love, not just by our words, but through our actions. So I thank and praise God for the missions, for the missions. We're going to be going out and we're going to be feeding the hungry. We're going to be housing, uh, you know, the homeless. We're going to go out to the prisons and, and preach and minister. We're going to go out to the senior citizen homes. I was just, uh, I was riding with my husband one day and I realized uh, not too far from where I live, I don't know if that was in Lebanon or or Monroe, they have an entire senior citizen community. You hear me? And, and and when I say community, I know you probably got something in your mind thinking, oh, you know, a, 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 a complex where they got a few homes and whatever. No, I'm talking about it was blocks. <laughs> it was blocks uh, of places. I wish I could remember the name of that place. But nonetheless, uh, God has called us to do a work in the earth, in the earth. We are not just going to be one of those ministries sitting within the four walls. Come on, y'all. We have work to do. We got work to do, but we got to lay the foundation so we know what we know. It is my belief. It is my belief that what plagues the church today, what plagues the body of Christ today is biblical illiteracy. Many of us are illiterate when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to the Bible, simply because we don't take the time to read. We don't take the time to get it for ourselves. And not only that, uh, the Bible is a very uh, simple, simplistic um, uh, uh, form of literature, but it is very difficult to dissect. It is very difficult uh, for many to uh, dissect. And it takes time. It takes time to to go through. And even though I said earlier, and maybe I didn't say this, I probably said it yesterday, uh, but we're going to try or attempt to get through the Bible uh, and we're going to try to get through it in in 52 weeks. But if we don't, hey, guess what? We won't because we're going to let God lead us. We're going to let the Holy Spirit guide us. And we're going to, to do this thing the right way. We're going to do it the right way. But nonetheless, you know, we we got to get into our word. We have to get into our word and we have to accept the Bible. We have to accept the Bible as the infallible word of God, the word of God that brings to us instruction, gives us guidance, and it provides principles and precepts by which he intends for us to live by. 
the Bible just ain't something that we pick up and read and feel good about it. The Bible is something that helps us to learn how, as Christians, we ought to live and we ought to be led. It is an instruction guide. And so here at Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer, we leverage the Bible to help us, to help us to live right. <laughs> to talk right, to walk right, to do what God has called us to do. Don't y'all know that there is power? There is power in the Word. There is power in the Word. And that's why the enemy, he wants to do everything he can to keep us away from the truth of God's Word. He wants to keep us away from the truth of God's Word. And while I believe that God has called me to leaders, I really honestly believe that he's called me to leaders, and, and, and I've shared this once before. By definition, I believe we are all leaders, but I believe that God has called me to the unchurched. <laughs> he's calling me to the unchurched because some churchy folk ain't going to be able to get with this. You know, They ain't going to be able to get with this, uh, what God is doing over here. But I thank and praise him for his grace, his marvelous mercy, and for his love. I thank him for his love. I'm going to tell y'all, prophet is going to take one step and expect God to lead and direct. And as we continue down this journey, I think I said it before, uh, we are open. We are open. We are a community of learning. We are forever receiving, and we don't shut down knowledge. So if God has called you to this ministry and you are a part of what we're doing, if, if you want to study uh, uh, the, the lesson for the week and you want to come and present, come on, because we're going to learn together. It's about incorporating these things into our lives. It's not about building a platform. It's not about, you know, uh, raising ourselves up or, or, or uh, satisfying our ego. A lot of people get into ministry because they want to finally feel accepted. It's not about that. It's not about any of that. It's about being accepted by God, knowing his love, living his love, actually applying the things that we learn. Uh, I've been in the church for, for many, many, many years, uh, you know, and I feel like I thank God for my experiences. I really do. So I don't discount anything. I don't regret anything. I don't feel bad about anything. Uh, but I do feel that for the most part, uh, my experience uh, was was fueled by a lot of emotionalism, right? It was how I felt when I went into church versus me having the intimacy with God, getting and getting to know Him, and getting into His Word. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but uh, you know that was just my journey, my journey, and and in the church. You know, coming up under the leader and and getting the word of God based on their interpretation, you know, and not going back and meditating on that word and allowing myself to dissect and digest and 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 incorporate that word into my life, uh, you know, at certain seasons until I matured in my walk. And then I began to pursue a study for myself. The very reason, the very reason that I went into uh, uh, school and decided to 
to go to school for theology, uh, which I have an undergraduate degree in. The reason I did that was because I was in pursuit of truth. I just didn't know how to uh, decipher the things that I was learning and coming from a family that is highly intellectual um, and, and, and high thinkers. You know, we were always taught to, to learn and, and things like that, and I didn't feel like I was getting the knowledge that I needed. So I decided to go to school so that I can learn, and I learned so much. I learned so much, and, and I say that, but I want to be clear. I am not a theologian. I am not a scholar. I'm here to teach what I know, to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and to supplement what we don't know, but I am by no way, by no means standing up as the authority. I am not the subject matter expert, and as we go through our plan, that we will all learn together. Amen. I'm so grateful, and I'm so thankful to God uh, for what he is doing in this season. God is such a great God. He's an awesome God. Now, I say that with one caveat. I'm not looking for folks to come come up over here like, oh, you know, <laughs> we go, we go, we going to take the platform. We're going to uh, uh, teach our way and our thoughts and all. Uh-uh. Nope. We ain't got time for that. Get in your word. Let's teach it from the word and let's, uh, let's learn together and let's move on. I don't even know why I said that. But nonetheless, uh, we're going to get into the study tonight because I'm excited. I want this to be fun, okay? Uh, but I'm excited about what God is exposing in this season. Uh, and if the pace is not what you're used to or what you like, then I just pray that God will give you patience. He will give you patience uh, that you can go and, and flow with us. Amen. All right, so we're going to jump into uh, the biblical overview that I have prepared for tonight. Uh, and then we'll, I'm hoping that I can get through, um, I had 14 errors that I wanted to talk us through. Uh, and then I got, uh, let me just, let me just say this, because I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop this recording and then uh, I'm, I'm just going to get into it. But let me just tell you what I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk about what is the Bible. We're going to have an overview of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'll try to get to unity of the Bible, the Bible interpretation. And we'll talk about some uh, translations of the Bible. And then we'll talk about uh, the books in the Old and, and New Testament. And I'm, I'm hoping to get... Uh, through the 14 eras, right? We broke it out in, in 14 eras uh, to, to talk you through uh, that as well. All right? So I pray that this is a blessing to you, and uh, we're going to use this as our guide as we continue to go along this journey and this learning together. Amen. Love you. We'll be right back. All right, praise the Lord. So let's get into this. The Bible is a collection of books that were divinely inspired by God. So that means that God is the single authoritative power behind the essence of what the Bible is. 
let me review a few things that I learned uh, as I was preparing for this. Let's see, I find it there. I got notes everywhere, y'all. So the Bible is comprised of two testaments. So you've got the Old Testament, and we'll talk about what that is. And you've got the New Testament. The Bible consists of 66 different books. And we'll, we'll go through an overview of each of those books. Hopefully we'll have time to do that today. It has 1,186 chapters, 31,173 verses, and 773,692 words, depending on the translation. The Bible was written by approximately 40 different men over a period of 1,500 years. We, as Christians, believe that the Bible is the breathed out or the word that God used for the prophets and the apostles to write down, to demonstrate his word into the earth. The Bible is a sacred book. It's a collection of books that we as Christians accept as the only infallible and inspired word of God. That God having all authority has provided us the guidelines that we need for our beliefs and how we are to behave in the Bible. It's in the Bible, it's in the word of God. The Bible attests to its own divine origin. Go through the Bible, you'll find in Revelations and Timothy, Second uh, Peter, uh, Exodus, Genesis, all throughout the Bible, where it attests to its own divine origin. It's important to know that it is not a dictation from God. So it's not a word-for-word book or work. But it's a work from many different humans, many different perspectives. So they had different skills, different writing styles, different personalities, different worldviews. They had many different cultural backgrounds. And so you'll find that as we get into the word, as we start dissecting the Bible, that the narration of these um, written words will seem different or contradictory or or adverse, con, uh, contrary one to another. And what I want to uh, appeal to you is that sometimes it's reflected that way because of the different worldviews, the different personalities, the different writing styles. But if we get, if we peel through all of those layers, because this is a book that is written by God for his people, 
that we'll find the consistency and the congruency if we take the time to study. All right. So many of the New Testament books, what you'll find is that they were uh, written as letters. They were they were written as letters. They weren't written as scriptures like the Old Testament. And so uh, those books were primarily uh, uh, written to the church for action, for action to be taken. Okay, and that's why I love it because when we on Saturdays when we start getting into those books, <laughs> we gonna take a look at some of them actions that they were instructed to take and 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 mirror those against our lives and see you know if we're still honoring those things. All right, all right. So the Old Testament, the Old Testament is the first book. I mean, the first section of the Bible is the first section of the Bible, and it contains the sacred writings of the Jews, all right? So it was written uh, in roughly over, and uh, I'm sorry, it was written roughly over a period of 1000 BC to 100 BC, and so what that means, the BC means before Christ, so 1000 BC to 100 BC, so meaning 1,000 years before Christ to maybe 100 years uh, before before his birth. And so these things were written, uh, but it includes narrations of events that occurred many centuries before that time. So it was, when you read the Bible, when you read through the Bible, you say, oh, well, how, how are they writing this? A thousand to a hundred years before Christ, and, and they're talking about things that happened, you know, five thousand years prior. It is because the Old Testament has writings from um, events that were passed down from generation to generation in oral form. It's just that at that time period is when. Uh, they began to write out the Old Testament, okay? So it's important to note that the Old Testament was originally written in the Hebrew language. And there were some sections that were written in the Aramaic uh, language. And so why this becomes significant is because when we began to translate the word uh, from Hebrew to English or any other language, some of the words don't necessarily translate in in such a way. And that's why it's important that we as Christians, we all take the initiative to get into our words so that God can translate, so that the Holy Spirit can help us to decipher the word. Now, I am one who believes that we receive uh We receive knowledge and understanding by translation and interpretation from the men and women of God. I don't discount that, but not by any means. But we got to get it for ourselves. We got to get it for ourselves. Another thing I wanted to raise uh, to your attention, because we want to get in front of any doubt. (laughs) We want to get in front of any doubt. Many say that they have an official list of all of the Bibles, all of the scriptures, all of the um, um, missing books of the Bible um, that 
preceded the Christian Bible that we have today, but I don't believe that to be true. I believe that it is probably almost impossible for them to have an official myth uh, because simply because it wasn't until maybe around 100 A.D., which is after death, that the Jewish rabbis uh, decided or determined that they would revise the scriptures and they would uh, establish what was an official canon of Judaism or Judaism. Um, and so they, they rejected many of the books many of the writings and the versions of the scriptures. So with that in and of itself, you know some stuff is not gonna, would not have made it to that official list. And then the fact that, as I stated earlier, um, much of the information that we saw was orated. It was something that was, you know, passed down from generation to generation. So in a nutshell, we ain't got it all. So when folk come and, and they say, this ain't valid. Y'all ain't got all the books of the Bible. There's so many missing books and all of that. Then, okay, all right. But God ordained this book. He ordained this word. And if there are other books that are congruent with what is uh, stated in the word, then it, it is a great supplement. I'm not one to just cancel out stuff because of my lack of understanding. I love to get knowledge. But if it's contrary to the core root of God's word, you can pass on with that. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. All right. So anyway, uh, what what we find today as Protestants and, 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 and our uh, Orthodox Christians and even Roman Catholics is a different version of the Old Testament than that which they would have had in the New Testament era, right? Because it was pared down and it was uh, repurposed <laughs> for us. But in and of that, of, or being a fact, I still believe it to be the only infallible and inspired uh, word of God. Now that's prophetess, that's pastor, that's how I believe, but if God gives you different revelation, hey, so be it, all right? So in the Bible, in the Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus Christ is the central figure of the Bible. He is the, the central focus of Christianity. And so what you'll find is, as we begin to dissect it and pare down the word, that Jesus was there from the beginning, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, uh, you will find that Jesus was there, okay? And so Jesus was born a Jew. He practiced Judaism. And uh, Christianity was actually a sect of Judaism. So it was something that came in as a part of Judaism, and it did not emerge as a separate religion until the Gentiles came in and they began to become or get converted into the faith. So it was Judaism, all of these Jews had their religion, and then you had a different um, um, perspective that was brought during Christ's earthly life, right? His teachings, the principles, uh, it expanded and expounded upon the Jewish knowledge. And so then those principles and precepts began to emerge 
emerge, more Gentiles began to come on board, and then they were converted, and we have what we have today, which is Christianity. All right? So the Jewish scriptures that that were in the Old Testament, they predicted the coming of a Savior, the Messiah, and um, they knew that Jesus was coming, and Jesus came and fulfilled that role. So at the at the you know towards the end of the Old Testament, beginning of the New Testament, Jesus is fulfilling that. He's fulfilling that, and that's what the Gospels are are telling us about the life of Jesus. All right. So that gives you a little insight into the Old uh, Testament, but in summary. The Old Testament is a story of God's chosen people, the Hebrews, who were later known as the Israelites or the Jews. And sometime around 1800 before Christ, so between that period of 1000 BC to 100 BC, around the time of 1800 BC, God made a covenant with a man named Abraham. So we're going to learn about Abraham, but his covenant was to make his descendants a great nation. Okay? And so the first of those descendants migrated into Egypt to escape a famine in their own land. But after many generations, they had greatly increased in numbers, but had become enslaved by the Egyptians. So we're going to talk about that. God sent a great leader and a prophet, Moses, who we're going to learn about, to lead the Hebrews out of captivity into the promised land of Israel. Okay? So during this time, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. You all have heard about that. Which we are still um, living or using as a basis for a moral life. So both Jews and Christians use the Old Testament Ten Commandments as a basis for our moral life, okay? And so we're going to walk through it and we're going to talk about it. But in addition to the to the Ten Commandments, the Old Testament lists out other laws about circumcision, dietary restrictions. They had blood sacrifices, Sabbath uh, observance, tithing, social welfare, crime, social behavior, armies, qualifications of leaders, and much more. The law regulated almost every aspect of the Hebrew life. Let me tell you something. (laughs) Just like I tell folks, I know God is a divine, all-knowing, omniscient, omnipresent God because he knew, he knew, he knew that I could not survive a generation of slavery. That's why he let me come about (laughs) many, many years later. But he also knew that I could not survive the Old Testament. My God, my God. Every aspect of their lives had a law that they had to uh, contend with and and, um, comply with. Okay? Uh, So anyway, it is an exciting story. It's so exciting. I love the word, and I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice, if you don't have a love, a hunger, and thirst after God's word, I'm praying that as a result of this journey, that you will fall in love with his 
word, with his word. Uh, I did a, a podcast that I admonish all of you. Go out and listen to it about stop all that gossip. Cut, cut the gossip out. Stop it. And uh, so I talked about it. But I, I, I say this now. I, I got to go back and backtrack my words. I want y'all to stop that gossip. But then again, I want you to start gossiping. Gossip about the word. I'm telling you, they got some juicy, juicy stories in the word. When we get through some of this stuff, I'm telling you, they, they something else. So gossip about that, they ain't going to mind. <laughs> Many of them ain't here now anyway. All right. So God intended for the Israelites to live according to his commandments and to show the truth of God to all the world. So that was his intent. However, time and time again, the Israelites lost sight of their mission and lapsed into idolatry, into sin, into narrow-minded nationalism. Who, who, who knows somebody like that? <laughs> who knows somebody like that? We all have seen that in our generation. Okay. Yet on these occasions, God called prophets such as Elijah, Samuel, Jonah, Israel, I mean, uh, Isaiah, and many others to lead his children back to the right path. God is such an awesome God. I thank him for his loving kindness that draws us back to him. And the Old Testament writings make no attempt to hide the fact that the Israelites and their leaders had many failings and flaws. They were flawed people. They were a flawed people. But God was yet able to accomplish his purpose in the earth during their time. Ain't that something? So if God could do it with them, as jacked up and messed up as they were, <laughs> we all messed up. But imagine what he could do with us and we got his Holy Spirit. All right. So the latter Hebrew prophets foresaw the coming of the Messiah, meaning the anointed one, a king who would usher in a golden era of peace and prosperity. All right. So more than any other nation, the Israelites looked to the future, to the coming of the Messiah, to the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham to make his descendants a great nation. Now, that is powerful. That is so powerful that in the Old Testament times, they were looking for and waiting for what we are experiencing and living today. Come on now. Come on. I thank God. I thank God for such a time as this. All right? So the New Testament, the New Testament is the, is the next section of the Bible, and it contains the sacred books that are um, also unique to Christianity. Right, So that's what sets us apart. The Bible, our belief that Jesus is the one. He is the only way, the only one way to Christ, and, I mean to God and to salvation. All right. So the New Testament books were written in the Greek language over a period of 50 to 120 AD, meaning after death, after Christ's death. None of the New Testament books were originally written as part of the Christian Bible, but they were read at church services for instruction in the faith. See, this is why it's so important. I love a good old church service. Listen, I love it. I enjoy it. I believe in the anointing, and I believe that, you know, uh, however 
certain leaders decide to lead their ministries, it's how God gave it to them. Just like as parents, you know, we lead our families the way God gives it to us. But I've always wondered why if we say we're Christians, right? We say we believe these things. Why are we not living according to the orthodox uh, way and, and, and the original way? And the, if, if Paul had to write these letters, if the apostles had to write these letters just so that these people would know how to live, you know, we're we not living out the instruction that they were given. And I know that for the most part, their traditions were different. And so it was a different era. So some of the things that they did was different than how we live. But the true essence of what he was trying to get across, we don't even try to live no more. All right. So let me get off of that soapbox. The collection of the books we know as the New Testament emerged in the late second century A.D. So after after death. The church leaders accepted books they believed were based on the eyewitness accounts of the events narrated, while rejecting many other early Christian writings. So a lot of times when, when folk want to argue down a Christian, they say, oh, yeah, I ain't got all the books in there. Okay, well, let look, you finish reading all the books in the Bible, get a clear, clear understanding, then you bring me them other books that you say ain't in there, and let's just start working on them. Or we can work them in parallel, but nonetheless, I ain't arguing with nobody. All right, so eventually, the 27 books uh, from which the present-day New Testament was derived, along with the Old Testament books, became the Christian Bible. So that is the Christian Bible as we know it today. The New Testament canons uh, were, was formed of 27 books, okay? And so that's what we have. So in essence, in summary, the New Testament tells us of the uh, birth of Jesus. It tells us of his life, of his ministry, of his death, of his resurrection, it tells us of the growth of the early Christian church. It tells us of the predictions of his second coming. All right. So Jesus was born sometime between 6 and 4 B.C. before Christ. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Every time I read this, it just kind of cracks me up. Hot, hot. Okay. If you say before Christ, how was he born six years before Christ? But anyway, all right. Six <laughs> Six and four BC, and this is just because we gotta. It, and 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 I chuckle, but this is a serious thing. We have to know that our limitations have nothing to do with the reality of who God is, who Christ is, because we are limited in our understanding. It does not change the fact of the fact that Jesus walked this earth. He had a beginning. He had uh, what they thought was an end. He had a continuation because God resurrected him. So he was born, he died, he resurrected, and he reigns forever. All right. So anyway, so he was born between 6 and 4 B.C. Uh, in the city of Bethlehem. Uh, and he was destined from birth to fulfill the role of the Messiah, or as, or as the Greeks say, Christ which means uh, in Hebrew and Greek, it was the equivalent of the word Messiah. And so he lived an ordinary life for 30 years, for 30 years. Y'all better look at some of these 30-year-olds and, 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 and younger. God 
it, and this has just been my observation through my experience in life, some of the most pivotal times in our uh, uh, history have been led by young people. It's been led by young people. These young people, 20, 30 years old, don't you count them out, because Jesus lived an ordinary life for 30 years, and then he began his ministry amongst the Jews. So he traveled, he traveled from town to town, he was healing the sick, he was preaching about the coming of the kingdom of God, he taught about God's kingdom as a spiritual kingdom, and he developed the people, and they began to grow in their faith, and he began to fulfill what he was sent to do. He, he taught about the sovereign rule of God and the defeat of all evil. He said he was to come again someday to bring God's kingdom to fulfillment. He promised a world of eternal life after death to those who would put their trust in God and obey his commandments. See, God came, Jesus came with commandments that were, that were based and rooted in the Jewish commandments, but he expounded on that. Many of the Jews, they accepted because they expected that the Messiah was coming. They expected him to be great, a great political or a military leader. They, they expected him to be this, this boisterous, you know, person to come in the world. But Jesus came humble. He came humble and he taught contrary to their belief that victory is not through force of violence, but victory is through love, humility, and service to mankind. See, we miss all of that. We miss all of that in the body of Christ today. We forget that we are here to serve, that we are here to be humble. We are here to love. And I'm not going to get into, never mind, I ain't even going to go there because I'm running out of my time. <laughs> Jesus was not the, the type of Messiah. He was, he was rejected by the Jews because he wasn't the type of Messiah that they were looking for. So they rejected him and his teachings. How many of us deal with that? Because you ain't you ain't coming the way that they expect you to come. You ain't, you know, who who they chose in the beginning. So they just want to reject everything you say, not knowing that you came as the Messiah to save them, their savior. The the Jews or their religious establishment in Israel, they saw Jesus as a threat. Okay, so, so when he's walking around claiming that he's got this divine authority and he refused to follow uh, their religious rules and he's usurping their authority right under their nose, they saw him as a threat. Okay, And this is the conflict that ultimately led to his execution by crucifixion. But my God, after three days, he rose again. His, his ministry was only three years. It was only three years, okay? But after the third day, mm, three days after his death, his body was discovered missing from the tomb. And over the next 40 days, many people saw him alive and they talked to his disciples. And at the end of the 40 days, he ascended to heaven, returning to God our Father. 
His miraculous resurrection convinced many people that he truly was Christ. He was their Lord. He was their Savior. And Christianity from that aspect was born. So Jesus' former disciples, uh, disciples, <laughs> disciples became the leaders. So those apostles, they became the leaders of the church. So throughout the New Testament, Jesus is portrayed as the Son of God, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah. And as a means of our personal salvation from the power of sin and death. So he came to save us from sin and death. And he taught that love of God and the love of other people are the two greatest commandments. That's going to be key as we go through this journey. The love of God and the love of his people. That that should be the guide to all of our lives. He taught that obedience to God and love for people, both Jews and Gentiles, and even our enemies is what God expects from us. He never came to abolish any of the moral or ethical laws that had been in effect from the time of Moses. He didn't come to abolish those, but he came to affirm and expand upon those principles. He said that obedience must be from the heart, from our attitudes, from our intentions, rather than just a technical observance of the the letter of the law. It has to be written in our hearts. It has to be, you know, based on our attitudes. We got to want to do it. Jesus and his apostles gave a radically new understanding of the true intent of the Old Testament law. They brought a new era of rule of love for all people and spiritual truth instead of a rule by the law. So during the Old Testament time, the young Christian communities suffered much persecution from the Jewish religious establishment and from the Roman Empire. Saul, who was a member of the Jewish religious establishment, was one of the fiercest persecutors of Christians. Yet one day, I mean, he he killed a lot of Christians. That's, That's what that means. But one day on the road to Damascus, Saul uh, saw a blinding light, and Jesus spoke to him, saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And so as a result of that experience, Saul had a complete change of heart, and he turned around. He turned everything around up to his name. (laughs) He went from Saul and changed his name to Paul and became the most zealous missionary in the Christian history ever to be known. And he worked to extend Christianity beyond Judaism. And he founded many of the Christian communities. And I love reading his letters. I really do. So so as we get through this study, Paul wrote many letters to the people of the church and the churches that he had founded. So he, he stuck with them. And see, this type of pastor uh, uh, God is, is developing me into. It ain't just one and done. You know, as we began to grow and plant these ministries and plant these churches, you have to to stay with them, to to be with them, to encourage, to instruct. And I thank God for the example that Paul gave us. But Paul wrote many letters to the people of the church, 
uh, and he explained his belief about Christ. He instructed them uh, in the proper modes of worship. How do we worship? He sometimes had to chastise them for their moral uh, uh, lapse or, or uh, iniquities. He taught uh, that the way to salvation and eternal life was through the faith of Jesus Christ and high moral standards not through obedience to the Old Testament law. See, folk would put that religious spirit up over you and say, oh, you ain't doing A, B, C, and D. He said, no, you got to have a high moral standard. We're going to fall sometimes, but we got to get up. We need to use the Bible as a mirror reflection of our lifestyle and what we ought to be and walk accordingly. All right. So a lot of his letters that he wrote uh, were inducted into the New Testament. And these letters, um, as we know today, are the most influential in the foundation of the modern day Christian church. Okay. So the Jews of that time, they believed that holiness could be achieved by obeying about 600 rules derived from the Old Testament. So they had it all written out. <laughs> you know, they were they were rigid about it. They, look, if you want to live holy, you got all these rules you, you got to abide by. But the Gentile Christians did not share in those same traditions. And so during that time, a lot of disputes arose about whether or not uh, their traditions were right versus the other traditions and whether it was necessary to follow those rules. So the Christian leaders under the guidance of the Holy Spirit decided that the ceremonial and legal aspects of the Old Testament law, such as circumcision, dietary restrictions, blood, sacrifices, Sabbath observance, and many other rules are not binding on Christians. It didn't mean that you don't, you know, acknowledge or, or live by those. It just means that, look, it's not, it's not binding. It's not binding. All right? So despite all of the diversities that we find in the book, in the many books of the Bible, and the separation in time, there are several unifying themes that run throughout the Old and New Testament. And here they are. All right, that there is only one true God, that he created all that is in the universe and, to, and takes an active, ongoing, and loving role in its maintenance. That means that he created everything, and he is still with us, and he is still maintaining his people. Another theme is God loves his people of all races, nationalities, and religions, and seeks their love in return. He loves us. God created men and women with the power to choose between good and evil. And we are called to do good by serving God and respecting our fellow human beings of the world. Evil is a constant temptation that we must do our best to resist. And God seeks the salvation of all people, individually and collectively, from the power of sin and evil. God has intervened directly in human affairs and has also sent 
the prophets, and finally his son, Jesus, the Messiah or Christ, to help us with that salvation. There are many different translations of the Bible. And so during the first centuries after death, the Latin replaced Greek as a language for the Roman Empire. And in 405, a a Latin translation of the Old and New Testaments was completed. So this version is known as the uh, Vulgate, became the standard Bible of Christianity for many centuries. So the first English version of the four Bible was John Wycliffe's translation of the Vulgate in 1384. Several other English versions followed, and the beloved King James Version was published in 1611. To date, none of the original manuscripts of the Old Testament or New Testament are known to exist. The best available source are man, not not man, but handmade copies of copies. However, there are developments in archaeology and biblical scholarship uh, that has been made over the years that a possible number of modern, more accurate English translations of the scriptures do exist. These newer versions are translated from the best available ancient Hebrew and Greek manuscripts rather than from the King James Version and the Latin uh, Vulgate. All right. So that's a lot for us to consume. And now I want to talk about the 14 eras. And if we get through the 14 eras, I just want to do a brief summary of each of the the books in the Bible, and and I know this is going to bless you. All right? We'll be right back. All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Wasn't that exciting to learn about the history of the Bible and to get a summary of what the Bible is and learn about the Old Testament, the New Testament, how we unify this, some of the interpretations and the uh, translations of the Bible. Aren't we glad that God has given us this opportunity to uh, start taking a deeper dive into his word, into his word. Now, let me get to um, what did we want to talk about. We want to get to the eras, the eras. All right. So there are 14 eras. So the Bible is broken out into 14 eras. And, and um, more than likely, we will break our study out similar to this. We're going to learn about the creation We're going to learn about the patriarchs, uh, Exodus. We're going to learn about the conquest, about judges, uh, the era of the kingdom, the the era of the divided kingdom, captivity, the return, the silent era, uh, the gospel era, the church era. We're going to learn about the missions, and we're going to learn about the end and the new beginning 
the end and a new beginning, those 14 eras. So the first era of creation, we're going to find that in the book of Genesis, starting with chapter 1, and we're going to go all the way to chapter 11, verse 26. And so that gives us five stories. It gives us the story of creation. It gives us the story of the fall. It gives us the story of Cain and Abel, the story of the flood, and the Tower of Babel. All right? It's going to tell us about the four consequences of sin. Those four consequences, separation, shame, fear, and guilt. It's going to talk us through uh, two ways of walking. Walking by sight or by eye and walking by ear or by hearing. All right? So it's going to talk about the promise of redemption, the seed of the woman, and the picture of redemption, the blood of the innocent on behalf of the guilty. Amen? All right. So the patriarch era is going to be, is going to start in Genesis chapter 11, and it's going to take us all the way through Job. Uh, and no, it's going to, it's going to be, <laughs> let me be clear. Genesis chapter 11 uh, through chapter 27, uh, uh, no, 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 I'm reading this wrong, Genesis chapter 11 through chapter 50, all right, so let me be clear, and then we'll get into Job, okay, so the patriarchs, Genesis chapter 11 through 50, and uh, and the book of Job, we'll read through that, and it's going to talk about three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then it's going to talk about the purpose of of two purposes of God selecting Abraham. He selected him to bring the seed and to bless the nations. All right. So he's going to, he's going to introduce us to a few major people, Joseph and uh, Judah and Job. Okay. And it's going to talk about a few major truths, which is God's promise to Abraham about his descendants. And then the numerous, uh, stars in the sky and dust of the earth, all right? So it's going to talk about the kings that will come from them and that they will inherit the land of Canaan and that they will go into captivity for 400 years and that the promises passes uh, from Isaac to then um, and then to Jacob. So it's going to go from Isaac to Jacob, all right? And then we're also going to learn about Judah, and where the tribes of rulers uh, were from, and that they'll be the tribes of, of rulers. All right. Uh, the era of Exodus, uh, we're going to, um, an Exodus means their, their exit uh, from captivity and slavery, and we're going to be in a book of uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All right. So those four books, and we're going to learn about God's leader, Moses. All right, we're going to learn about 10 plagues, including the Passover and the blood of the innocent on behalf of the guilty. The death uh, has already, death that has already come to the house and the parting of the Red Sea. We're going to learn uh, about God's law, the, the moral, the ceremonial, civil. Uh, we're going to learn about the tabernacle. Leviticus uh, gives to, in the ceremonial law. We're going to learn that God is holy and sin is serious. And Numbers is going to record two senses, 
so we'll, we'll talk through that. We'll learn about that, the significance of that. And by the way, if anybody want to volunteer when we get the numbers to do that part of the study, I welcome, welcome you. Come on, teach us about it. <laughs> numbers is just, it's always been hard for me to read through numbers. But anyway, all right. I love the word, though. Deuteronomy uh, and the second law. So we'll learn about the second law, all right? So in the era of the conquest, uh, we'll learn about Joshua, uh, who was one of God's leaders, and the two tasks of conquering the land and dividing the land, uh, three events that occurred, the Passover in the land, ceasing of the manna, and the parting of the Jordan. Uh, Joshua wrote out the Ten Commandments and read, I'm sorry, yeah, Joshua uh, wrote out the Ten Commandments and read the entire book of the law to God's people. So we'll we'll learn about that. We'll learn about His rule uh, and 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 during those eras. So now uh, it takes us to the next set of eras, which is Judges, King, the Kingdom, the divided Kingdom, and captivity. And then um, we'll we'll start in Judges and Ruth. Uh, for judges, and will begin after the death, which will begin after the death of uh, Joshua, and the book of the law. Um, we'll, we'll learn about that. We'll, I'm sorry. We'll learn that the book of the law was never mentioned in Judges. Right? There's significance for that. Why is the book of the law never mentioned uh, in in Judges? And what was the result of that. The result of that was that those generations grew successively more wicked, all right? And we'll learn about that sin cycle of rebellion and retribution and repentance and then redemption and then resting in God's land. So we'll learn about the cycle that they went through. And then the book of Ruth will show us God's work uh, to include the foreigner uh, and raise up a king uh, from Judah's line, okay, so so it's going to be good, we're going to get into Judges and, and Ruth, and then we'll get into the kingdom era, and that'll take us through First and Second Samuel, First Kings, uh, First and Second Chronicles, Psalms, Proverbs, Song of Psalms, and Ecclesiastes, and uh, it'll, it'll take us through the five requirements for Israel's kingdom, the last judge and the first prophet of the era, which was Samuel, the three kings, Saul, David, and Solomon, and Saul's failures and God's judgment. It'll take us through David's victories over uh, Goliath, uh, his years of running, and the promise of the seed. And then it'll talk about Solomon's reign, uh, his early success, his request for uh, wisdom and uh, his writings and his moral failings. All right, and so the divided kingdom will be uh, that era. We'll study Second Kings, Second Chronicles, Psalms, Proverbs, Hosea, uh, Micah, Joel, Obadiah, uh, Amos, Jonah, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. And so that will talk about after Solomon's death uh, and because of his idolatry, the kingdom divides under his son uh, uh, Rehoboam and uh, Jeroboam establishes the northern kingdom of Israel and 20 kings, uh, all bad, ran the kingdom, right? So he creates this religion like the true religion. So, so we'll go through that. We'll learn about Judah, 
um, and how they remain true to the line of David. We'll learn about these kingdoms and all of those rulers, and uh, we'll learn about Jehoshaphat and uh, Hezekiah, um, Josiah, okay, the four kings, Ezra, um, who led the, the children of Israel back to revival. Uh, we'll, we'll learn about God's miracle working prophets, right, in the northern kingdom, Elijah and Elisha, uh, and the writings of the prophets in the south, um, Isaiah and Micah and Jeremiah. So we're going to get through all of that, and then we'll get into captivity, and that'll take us through Jeremiah, uh, part of Jeremiah, Lamentations, uh, Ezekiel and Daniel, and some of Psalms. Uh, we'll learn about the three prophets. Uh, Jeremiah, um, Ezekiel, Daniel in the court, Ezekiel among the exiles, and Jeremiah with the remnant. Uh, We'll learn about the three waves of captivity, uh, Daniel's fulfillment um, of of Isaiah, uh, which was already prophesied. We'll learn about the three promises, the promises of 70 years, the promise of a new covenant, and the promise of the Messiah. All right, and so uh, we've got the next set of eras, the return, the silent, the gospel, and the church. So it, during the return, that's the books of Ezra, uh, Nehemiah, Esther, Zechariah, Haggai, and Malachi, and that was during Cyrus' rule of Medo-Persian Empire, three ways of returns, and we'll learn about... Uh, Ezra returning to rebuild the law. We'll learn about Nehemiah's governance and and how he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and Malachi prophecies during Nehemiah's uh, return to the king. We'll learn about the silent era when there was famine. That'll be in Amos and Daniel. And so where there was famine of hearing from God, uh, David. I mean, I'm sorry, Daniel's four empires rise. Uh, Babylon gives way to the Meta-Persian Empire. So we'll learn about that. We'll learn about the Jews uh, and their synagogue system, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the rule of the country. All right. And then we'll get into the gospel era. And that's Mark. And uh, I'm sorry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, so the four contemporary accounts of what occurred during the time of Jesus, two ways of walking out, uh, walking flesh out as disciples followed Jesus and the, and the Pharisees rejected his t- uh, teachings and his miracles. And then we'll learn about the one goal, the one mission. All right. And then we'll go to the church, the church era, which is an Acts. And that's, uh, that'll teach us about the one mission, the one message, one body, one spirit, and many, many gifts. And finally, finally, we'll get to the last two eras, which are the missions and the end and new beginning. So the missions will take us through the remaining chapters and, and Acts and Paul's letters and the general uh, epistles. Uh, so we'll, we'll learn about the four fields, Jerusalem, Judea. Uh, Samaria and uh, the uttermost parts will learn how to walk by the spirit. We'll learn about the many churches, about one kingdom, about the two ways of walking by faith 
and 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 by spirit amen by faith and by spirit not by sight and not by flesh we'll we'll learn about when paul is hindered from going he writes when he couldn't get there he writes letters so we'll learn more about his letters all right and then the final era after the mission is the end and the new beginning uh so we'll learn we'll learn revelations we'll get into revelations and we'll learn about the old being destroyed and the new uh being revealed uh we'll learn about sin and curse and the enemy and one people one tree one lamb amen i don't know about you but i'm excited about what god is going to do so i wanted to take you through that um and we'll come back and do a summary maybe of each of the uh, chapters. I'll just give you a quick overview of each of the chapters and then we'll go from there uh, to what our study is going to be for next week. All right. Well, I love you all and I expect a great experience through Christ. Amen. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.